time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, April 17th, 2023. We're so glad to have you joining us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you here as our listeners and sharing this with others. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. I'm chuckling because I'm thinking of my conversation just before we went live about Kittle saying he's going to go get some food and then uh, is it okay if we smack on the phone here? So I'm thinking of that, David Kittle. You are just always making me laugh. And in these markets, Mr. Kittle, we need all the laughter we can get. Uh, so anyway, we'll hear from Mr. Kittle in just a minute. We've got Mark Helm joining in on the podcast live as the co-host. Thanks, Bill. Good to have him. And also Alice Alvey is here full uh, in with us with full up report on what she's seeing out there. So there's so much to talk about. We've got a lot to chat with you all about and share with some vision of where we see this industry going and some thought leadership. We're excited about this. Again, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Candor Technology, Tom and the Tom Showalter and the team there at Candor do an amazing job of helping you right size your company for the last time. And they use this through the technology they're developing. And one of the things that when it comes to repurchase risk, Candor can play a big role in helping you go back and evaluate the loans that you've already done. So if you're getting hit with repurchases, some are, some aren't. But if that is an issue, be sure to get a hold of Candor. There's many aspects of the Candor system that will surprise you and what it can do for you. Also, Finastra is just such a powerful system. Again, the largest fintech company in the world. We recently did some things with them on a, on a webinar. That was fun. And then I just was talking to the entire, just the sales organization. We're talking about some of the developments in the industry. We had over 168 to 170 people on a webinar just within Finastra. And I was listening to the thought leadership was there. It was really fun to share some ideas of where the market's going and hear their feedback, what's happening. So we talked about chat GPT. We talked about a lot of different aspects of the uh, technology and where it's going. Real honor to be a part of that organization in a sponsorship way. And then also thought leadership and working with them. So be sure to check out Finastra. Not only are they a great technology company, they are thought leaders of where the market is going. So plug into their website, plug into what they're doing. Also, total, total expert. And it's all in their name. They are totally an expert when it comes to the experience platform that unifies data, marketing, sales, and compliance solutions, bringing it all together in a cohesive experience across the customer life cycle. I really enjoy what they do, and I really enjoy the interview we did with on March 15th with Joe Wellu and um, hearing about their vision and their overall uh, direction. It's, it's fascinating to see what leaders in the marketplace that really have a vision of helping companies originate loans, more loans in this market, and Total Expert is that. Also, Simple Nexus does a great job with their technology. We're grateful also to have the Mortgage Bankers Association as a sponsor, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, and Knowledge Coop, Mobility, MMI, Modex, Mortgage Advisory Tools. I could go on and on. Check out all of our sponsors on our sponsorship page. 
appreciate each one of these. And um, let's again, I want to get into it. We were releasing a, a podcast. We, we released a podcast last week with Jeffrey Palermo of Clear Measure talking about chat GPT and the whole AI, uh, what's going on. It's getting a lot of attention. And it was uh, something that I encourage everyone to listen to. Again, you need to pay attention to chat GPT and what is happening there. Also, I heard Elon Musk has just launched his new AI engine that's going to compete with chat GPT. I've still got echoing in my head the warning that Elon Musk said that, that artificial intelligence is more dangerous than all the nukes in the world. I'm going like, hearing that, I'm going like, and I get excited about chat GPT. Oh, Lot, we, can't, we can't cover this topic enough. We need to be staying focused on all the other things. We have an interview that's being released um, in two days that I did with Seth Sprague of Richie May. He, uh, we were talking about servicing trends. That was a really fun interview that we did. And uh, Seth and I are such good friends, and I have so much respect for him and what he's doing. So as a, be sure to check out that podcast. It's a must-listen to. Also, we want to say a special thank you to all of our regulars that are on the podcast. Adam DeSanctis with the NBA, Les Parker with TM Spotlight, Matt Graham uh, with MBSLive.net, David Kittle, and Lord knows with a mouthful of food, normally what we're going to hear from him today as well. I mean, I just love his personality. I love the humor that he brings. I love that people make me laugh. And I also love people that inform me on what's going on. And no one else better to do that than Alice Salvi. Of course, we got Alan Pollock dialed in. He'll share some updates on the technology world. And Mark Helm's got some feedback on what's going on with uh, at least one of the GSEs and uh, some of the challenges that we're facing or they're facing or we're facing as a result of them. So got a full program. Looking forward to getting into it. So let's get started with the MBA's Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSantis. Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHA posted a draft mortgagee letter to the FHA single-family housing drafting table that would update its requirements for insuring mortgages on single-family homes with accessory dwelling units, also known as ADUs. The draft ML would include rental income generated by an ADU as qualifying income when underwriting a borrower for forward and reverse mortgages. The ML would also amend FHA's 203K program to allow attached ADU construction to be financed within the program. MBA has advocated for updates to FHA's 203K program, including the ability to finance ADUs. While the draft ML would allow attached ADUs, it stops short of allowing detached ADUs. We will be submitting comments urging further expansion of ADU financing options in response to a separate FHA request for information on the 203K program. We will also collect comments on this draft ML through the Government Loan Production Subcommittee for submission by April 27th of this year. Now that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Good job, Adam. Appreciate it. And I want to get some feedback on that. We'll wait for just a minute. We'll talk about that. And when we, uh, in a, Mark, I want to get some of your thoughts on some of the things he was just reporting on. So you may want to do some little Google searches and double check what he was saying. Not that we're fact-checking. We're just getting in and understanding, getting deeper insights. We'll go there in just a minute. Before we do, let's get – I want to say to the MBA, thank you for all that you're doing on Capitol Hill. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm looking at this administration. I'm looking at some of the agenda that's going on. It is really concerning to me, folks. And not only that, we're going to get David Stevens back on the podcast. It's been a while since we've had him here. Hearing him say some things that are kind of also echoing that. And so we've got to have 
uh, our voice heard. And the best way to have that done is through your Mortgage Action Alliance app. You've got to use this, folks, if you want to have your voice heard. It is the most effective, affordable way to have your for us to get behind what the NBA is doing and have your voice heard. So get behind it, Mortgage Action Alliance app. Download it on your smartphone and have your voice be heard. Let's get over to Les Parker with TM Spotlight and the uh, TM Spotlight Minute <laughs> Market Update, the back review of the market. There we go. Les Parker, what do you ha- I listened to this already, and uh, I thought it was really – I love his I – mean, it was going back to the 70s for his song choice. So I was going, what the heck? Anyway, here you go. Les Parker, sing away. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Well, we know now why we are in Ukraine. We got the feeling that something's right. Are higher rates ahead? Clowns round the U.S. exit from Afghanistan, then Joker's zipline to a corrupt Ukraine to make a proxy war with Russia without the consent of the U.S. citizens. As a result, gold is rising and the dollar is falling. Meanwhile, Russia is making money and aligning with China. Additionally, Saudi Arabia joins its arch enemy, Iran, while jointly siding with China and Russia. So, ironically, long-term rates seek comfort in the middle. Bulls to the left of bonds, bears to the right. Here they are, stuck in the middle of yields. These views are mine. Meet the middle. Three TM Spotlight. Yeah, I got this one, Les Parker. That was good. Last week, I mean, that was a little more of a challenge for me. Well, on the Easter theme, but I got caught up thinking about that more than the subtle message that was there. Everything Les does has got such a subtle message to it, but there's so much wisdom in his insights. As Alice says, I write down everything he says because he's been right more times than he's been. In fact, he's been almost right almost all the time. It seems like a couple times he's been off, but check out TM Spotlight. You can sign up for his newsletter at tmspotlight.com, and you go to www.tmspotlight.com tmspotlight.com, or you can email Les at lesparker at tmspotlight.com. Spotlight. Let me say that slower. Spotlight. TM is in Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Spotlight.com. All right. There you go. If you put in the word power in the word ask for a code, you get the paid version of the newsletter for free. Not a bad deal. Really good, too. Excellent reading. Matt Graham could not be here with us today. Miss Matt, I always love his insights, but I have his screens live with me all the time uh, right behind me. And um, we're going to be talking about a little bit about that. But Matt did send in a uh, report for us to listen to. So, Matt Graham, what do you have for us and what's going on? And there is a lot going on. This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. Bonds have been losing ground over the past week and a half in a move that was largely kicked off by the jobs report on April 7th. Before that, there were several weak pieces of economic data that led the market to price in a 0% chance of a Fed rate hike at the next meeting, effectively meaning they are at their terminal rate and would be done with rate hikes for this cycle. But uh, the jobs report and then the events of last week have sort of reversed that sentiment and have reintroduced the rate hike odds. That is a little bit interesting considering that CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index and last week's biggest economic report, 
uh, came in right in line with expectations and actually resulted in a little bit of a rally in the middle of the week and um, maybe created short-term hope that bonds would hold their ground at recently lower yields. But things continued into weaker territory, especially on Friday after retail sales. This, too, was very confusing at first glance because retail sales came in at minus 1% versus forecasts that called for negative 0.4%. Typically, if retail sales is that much below expectations, we would expect the bond market to rally. Instead, the bond market sold off. Uh, explanations were thus sought out by analysts and traders alike, although some traders knew why they were selling bonds and the analysts had to sort of piece that together. The best guesses include things like the core retail sales number, which excludes autos, gas, building materials, and food coming in right in line with expectations. And then the non-store retail sales uh, came in much higher than previously and has been sort of on a tear. That's a big component of overall retail sales, and it represents most of online shopping. That same morning saw consumer sentiment come in higher than expected, as well as industrial production. And perhaps one of the most notable developments was the one-year inflation expectation component of the consumer sentiment data rose to 4.6% from 3.6 last month, a very big increase in that uh, metric and not the sort of thing that the Fed wants to see because they feel that consumer expectations about inflation are oftentimes just as important as measured inflation itself. All that to say that uh, bonds had pushed the lower boundary of their recent trend and in terms of 10-year yields that could be viewed as low as three and a quarter, 3.25%. They're back up near 3.6 this morning and that is the upper end of the same trend that we have been following since arguably December of 2022. There have been some breakout attempts, but things keep gravitating back into this 3.4 to 3.6 range. So now we're pushing the ceiling as opposed to aggressively trying to break out of the floor last week. In terms of this week, the economic data is not quite as important as it was last week. We have housing data to start the week. And the home builder sentiment is already out at 45 versus 44. Not really big news there. Tomorrow we'll get housing starts and building permits. And with us, as always, will be Mortgage Bankers Association applications on Wednesday morning. Existing home sales will be out at 10 a.m. on Thursday, and that will round out the week's housing data as far as the big-ticket economic reports are concerned. Thursday brings the Philly Fed Index, which is always a potential market mover. It's forecast to come in fairly weak at minus 19.2 after minus 23.2 last month. Last but not least, we'll get the S&P Global IHS, what used to be known as Market, M-A-R-K-I-T, PMI data, which is not as big of a market mover as the ISM PMI, but comes out earlier and uh, can definitely produce a reaction. All of the economic data will be balanced against bank earnings and central bank speeches as markets try to figure out which way the breakout will occur from this fairly narrow range that we've been in for several months with a few, if any, legitimate breakout attempts. That's all for this week. Back to you. Turned on my mic here. I, my, Matt, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, let's get everyone in. By the way, if you want to sign up for 
mbslive.net. Do so by going to mbslive.net and mbslive.net. Some people say I talk so fast they can't write it down. So there you go. Got it. mbslive.net.com. And uh, not .net. Leave it at that. And then put in LOL at the sign-up code, and you get the extended period for free. But you want to just sign up for this thing. It's such a valuable service, especially when I'm looking behind me and seeing how it's deteriorating again today, which may explain why Matt is not here with us. But I would love to get some thoughts. Mr. Kittle, you were talking when before we got went uh, live on the air about gas prices. So certainly some inflationary indicators out there at the gas pumps. Talk about that. Well, just a little bit, you know, and then Matt just gave a good report and it's kind of um, pre-recorded and we've got some data that's going to come out and maybe some of it should be be better as far as our industry is concerned. But the average consumer out there, you know, just here in the Louisville market last week, it uh, took a 9.4% jump in gas prices and that's in one week. So we talk mm-hmm. about inflation overall going down, maybe it's around 6% or whatever the number is right now, but that's a substantial jump. We are coming into summer. It's springtime. Gas prices typically rise a little bit, but they're already way up. So they're approaching four bucks a gallon, you know, here in Kentucky. So in the larger markets and areas like uh, LA, Detroit, Chicago, New York, the larger cities, you're probably at four dollars a gallon or very close to it, and that's really impactful on people when they're out shopping. Mm-hmm. Around. Yeah, yeah, but it really has. Well, mortgage applications are a little bit of a laggard to the most latest. What's happened at the front, I mean, a nine, almost 10% jump in a market gets people's attention. And then at some point in time, they digest that and they go, should I be buying a home right now in this market? Again, we're seeing, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. One more thing to that. So you just take that, that's to right down to what you're spending as a consumer every day. Then you have, uh, you know, the fed and the federal reserve, uh, one of the uh, federal reserve members, Mr. Waller talks about last week we haven't tightened enough i know uh, that's in national na- national mortgage news today so where we may have had inflation ease still could come back and more tightening is coming and i think it is and i don't think we're done with inflation although to your point let me make this point everybody i'm talking to you know, there's a lot of my good friends in the business that are now may not be making any money but they're not losing those anymore right and right. uh you know they've righted the ship um, had their cuts one or two times and uh, the rifts internally. And I think they've righted the ship. Production is up and, um, and there's hope in that. And when you got hope, I mean, that's a, that's a, hope is a wonderful thing in this market. Mark, give us your thoughts on uh, the reports we've heard here. I got a number of thoughts. I want to go, especially on the, we were talking about FHA and Heckham, some of that, but we'll go to that in a minute. Your first, your thoughts on the market. Well, I want to cover two things. I want to zero back in on the gas again, just give you a little flavor from Houston. There's something happening here I don't quite understand. I noticed all weekend if you go by the corporate uh, Exxon and Mobil stations, their price is like 309 a gallon for cash, paying cash. If you go by the uh, the little, I, I call it the seven lanham concept, the convenience stores, et cetera, <laughs> That sell mobile and Exxon. Sometimes they're corporate stores, but the price is three twenty nine a gallon. So the gas at that it's really kind of funny. The gas at the convenience stores is twenty cents a gallon higher. And as we as we know, I mean, I go in a convenience store when I positively have to, but a lot of people depend on there to go pick up quick groceries and this and that yep. and the other. 
and and they're they're kind of sucking those people into that high price on gas. So don't understand exactly what's going on in Houston with gas right now, but I, it, it's really strange that I see that all over northern Houston right now, that pricing differential, and I noticed it all day Saturday and Sunday when I was out and about. Going back to the economy thing I'd like to chat about just a second is I think we've got to be careful about what is happening in our mortgage business because we've got to read between the lines right now. Yeah. I think it's, it's many mortgage companies have done extra things to reduce costs, et cetera, and extra efforts to pick up more loans, not necessarily at a profitable uh, level as they were before. So I think that right now, passing overall judgment on even the mortgage business and our current market is kind of hard to do because people are doing a lot of things differently. I know people that I've talked to recently that are doing some really strange but successful things and getting leads, but it's a little more costly for them than the other process is. So maybe they're doing more loans, but not as cost-effective as they were before. So I think you just got to, as people are adjusting to the market and still controlling expense and all, I'm not going to get uh, overboard on anything that I see happening in the market right now until it levels out more. Yeah, we've got live listeners, and they're saying, what does Mark mean by strange? The word is strange in quotes. And several people just threw fire that in. Yeah. What well, are you strange is something strange, strange is something perfect. out of the ordinary that you don't expect and don't <laughs> normally see in a continuous basis. Okay, okay so that's any insights that's a specific definition. Yeah, okay. That's a Mark Webster. Okay. That's good. We'll take that. You're working on your PhD. That's good enough. Okay, but what are some of the strange things that you're seeing? Well, I think it's strange that you can go five minutes away or less than five minutes away and the gasoline price is twenty cents different. And I think it's uh it's it's very strange that I'm seeing uh, more okay, uh, that type of market. Okay, I thought you were well, talking well, about. Well, no, not only that, but but also, you know, in most neighborhoods have these neighborhood newspapers that advertise businesses in the neighborhood. Right. I'm starting to see these for the first time. Mortgage companies are are putting their name out there. You see real estate agents all the time, yeah. but I'm I'm religious about reading what's happening in the community. And since I own two homes here, I get two different perspectives from it. And when I read it and I see people are, are 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 actually there's ads in there from little mortgage companies saying uh you need to see what your opportunities are. Even in rising rates environment, we can help you. Come see us, you know. And I'm seeing all this and those people don't normally advertise in those. So people are really going out of the way to do that. Also, yep. I noticed that on two developments that are being done here in uh, fairly close to my house the two mortgage companies, which obviously have an inside track, they're not uh, builder-owned mortgage companies, but two mortgage companies kind of have an inside track. they got a big billboard right there, uh, you know, not as big as a large billboard, but half that size, lower yeah. on the ground, that are advertising the fact that uh, we're here to help XYZ Builder here sell these houses, and we've got some lending programs you ought to pay attention to. I just haven't seen that recently. So I'm seeing things being done in the marketplace that are a little strange to me because I haven't seen them for multiple decades, and I'm hoping they're being successful for folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm always interested in the latest what's working. I was on a call with one of our clients earlier this morning, and they're always looking for ideas on what it takes to generate some new lead Jeff or lead generation. And uh, kind of like what Mr. Kittle said one time a long time ago, and that is going back to seeing what, um, you know, saying, pulling out, the, blowing the dust off of some of the old 
you know, play uh, playbooks that we used to have, uh, buy downs. These new programs are not necessarily always so new, just re, re, uh, recycling them. You want hey, to come in? I forgot one thing, uh, yes. one thing too. A, a realtor friend of mine was telling me she hopes the market turns soon because she's sick and tired of loan officers showing up every 15 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, we went through the longest period of time when loan officers didn't I call mean, on realtors at all because all they do is sit in their office and take applications. And now okay. they got to kind of work for a living, and they're out there calling all these realtors trying to solicit some business. So that's a change, yeah. too. Yeah, that is a change. Another thing that I'm hearing from some of the clients we're working with is when they go out and call the realtors, the realtors aren't in the office anymore. And that has changed. So they go <laughs> in, these offices are empty. We got to come up with a new strategy. What happened to the days? Where do realtors sit now? And I go, that's, that's uh, anyway, a whole nother discussion we have at some point in time. Alice, wait, let you weigh in on this. And then we're going to get into your report. And then I thought we'd talk about some of the reports that uh, MBA uh, Adam Sank just talked about. We'll get his talk about that after your report but uh alice any thoughts you have i think i just if i heard right uh we're due for some housing numbers so i think we'll it'll be yes. interesting to see the housing inflation coming out uh yes. and i know right now it seems like that's very market specific so, so to the conversation about what are the latest and greatest marketing tricks what we're seeing is the answer to that is it depends on your market because uh mm-hmm. some areas still have you know multiple offers and others are you know, for the first time, their listing might go 30 days, and the realtor has to talk about uh, reducing a list price. So that's what we'll, I'll be watching for this week. Yep, I think here. I think well, that's a really good point. Look for that data as it gets released from the MBA and also from all the various uh, other trade associations related to the housing market. Good stuff. All right, Alice, let's get into your segment, Alice Alvey. Um, Senior Vice President of Training and Education at Union Home Mortgage with this week's legislative update. Good to have you, Alice. Appreciate your comments and participation. Yes. Well, good. You know, uh, just two real quick things. One's a reminder of something I brought up last uh, last time was HUD has this proposed rule to eliminate the requirement to register your branches. Uh, proposals right. are due by May 1st, so you only have a couple of weeks. Get in there, put in your one sentence, yes, this should pass, yes, this should be approved, save us the the time, energy, effort, and fees, and off you go. That's a simple one. Uh, The second thing is House Bill 2397 uh, is talking about standardizing that all the agencies, federally related agencies, so where we're at today would be Fannie, Freddie, FHA, and USDA in this case, uh, to accept borrowers who are here on a C-33 DACA visa. Uh, mm-hmm. So we just want to uh, let folks know that I think is a really important bill. It would be great to stabilize that across the agencies. Today, FHA has made it clear, Fannie has made it clear, but that's about it. So you do need to, it would be great to see this bill move forward so that we know uh, we're okay for, uh, for those borrowers. Uh, so those are the two things, and then I think, you wanted to talk, Dave, about the accessory dwelling units that you yes. brought up earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So this this is a you know proposed request for information. Uh, we do see more accessory dwelling units uh, in certain markets, and that's basically what the RFI is about: to make sure that those are allowed uh, on the program, and to be able to expand to include those in the 203k rehab product for FHA. Good, Mark. That's it. Mark, Mark, you want your thoughts? Well, I I think that uh, 
I think as I look at the things that are being said and we've heard, I said the market aspect of what the different people are doing is, is certainly applicable. And I think that the regulatory environment we're in is getting ready to change. I've been reading a bunch of things that have come into the regulatory play that's going to kind of affect the economy in different states. It's kind of scary to me. Uh, one is a treatment of uh, sales tax that's going to be kind of unique in one state. But I, I just think the times are rough all over, and we're just going to continue to see the differing trends and things that change on pretty much a daily basis, which is going to keep us on our toes to stay in touch with everything that affects our business and how we got to counter-react to it. So I think the people that uh, stay abreast of all the things that are happening in their uh, media market so they know what's going on and can adjust to times as quickly as possible, especially any of the reporting come out on a federal basis that it tells us uh, certain trends and all are happening and maybe execute against those trends are going to be further ahead than people that sit on their rears and not do anything. So my my caution to everyone is uh, be diligent, but be diligent, diligent in a smart way and an effective way to help your business. So true. I think Alice hit on something that's really important and let's get Kittle's thoughts is the, um, the regionalization of the market. We're going to see significant, different markets responding to what's going on on a very regionalized basis. And I think that is going to require you to analyze your marketing strategy. There's no longer a one size fits all for everybody. It's going to require a very regionalized strategy. Your thoughts, Mr. Kittle. I totally agree with that. And another word for that is uh, relationships, right? in your mm-hmm. own market. What's good for Cleveland doesn't work in Louisville and vice versa and it might work in Tampa or someplace else. I just saw two things here uh, live on CNBC, David, I might mention, where home builder sentiment is up in April. It's the highest it's been since uh, the third quarter of last year. And so wow. the home builders are a little bit excited. However, what they mentioned is something that uh, we've talked about in this show over and over and again. We still have an inventory problem. People mm-hmm. may be out wanting to build new houses, but um, tough to find the land is expensive and existing home sales. Um, you can sell your house. Where do you go? Um, so the last thing I chart I saw in here that I'll mention quickly, Dave, is uh, they showed the percentage of the market where IMBs have a substantial market share uh, over uh, the banks right now. So the independent mortgage bankers uh, are, are really – as far as what's available out there for loans are killing that right now in the market. They have, but that's really interesting. I am doing a report for a community bank right now. I just finished it up over the weekend. And when you start looking at certain markets, the community bankers are really gaining market share. So while the IMBs have been strong, the community bankers in each of the markets and the credit unions, the the surge has been in the credit unions for certain, but community bankers that have a well-run mortgage operation are Definitely seeing a pickup of market share. Anyone else and have, they a, have comp- a pickup because, because yeah, they, why? Because they well, have relationships yeah. with their customers. A relationship with the customers. Yep. Yep. So spot on. Very good. All right. Very good. Mark, anything you want to add to this discussion at this point? No, sir. All right. Alan Pollock. First of all, Alice, thank you so much for being here each and every week. Love you uh, for being here and been here since the very beginning of this podcast over 15 years ago. So much fun to be able to do this. Alan Pollock is here with a tech update. What's going on in your world, Alan? Oh, hey there, David. Oh, man, always something going on. 
never a dull moment, and there's way too much to talk about. But let's start at the top of the list, and we'll get into also what we talked about last week, which was password hacking with AI. Um, yeah. But first, David, I, I I had to go back over to chat GPT and ask it for a good mortgage joke. Um, <laughs> so here's the thread. I said, I need a good mortgage tech joke. And it said, sure, here's one. What? Why did the mortgage banker break up with the mortgage technology software? And the answer was because it was too amortizing. So I thought that one was pretty bad, even for me. <laughs> so then bad. I went on and said, um, can you give me a mortgage joke about the Licking on Lending podcast? And it said, sure, here's one for you. Why did the Licking on Lending podcast refuse to talk about mortgages with the robot guest speaker? And the answer was because the robot only had an adjustable rate response and kept screaming, arm, arm, arm. So there you go. It's not always funny. <laughs> oh, God. oh, hilarious. Yeah. You bring up chat so GPT, though, man. I use that. I'm using that more and more and more. And just uh-huh. like, it's, it adds like a superpower to you when you start looking and looking at it. Things. Is. I'm really considering all the issues. I mean, it's it's a powerful tool. Anyway, go on. I was at, funny yeah. enough, David, I think, you know, three out of every five people I talk to have tested or played with chat GPT. But what's interesting is that, you know, um, I was redoing my resume and I had somebody that was reviewing it. Uh, I went and took each of the items in my resume and I had ChatGPT rewrite them. And the person that reviewed my resume came back and said, there's not really a lot of work, just a few tweaks. Everything looks really good. So now I had to refine it a few times. I had to tell ChatGPT to to recreate the request. I gave examples sometimes. So it's not like it was all instant. It took... It took a little collaboration, but I got a version of each kind of workplace experience in my summary that I was very happy with. So yeah. uh, I, I think ChatGPT is going to – a lot of people are going to find some very interesting results. Now, that's the raw version, David, yeah. going in and talking with it. There's, there's a slew. I mean, every day it feels like there's 10 more solutions that people are building that are based on ChatGPT or other mm-hmm. similar AI versions. Um, so there's things that are way more specific or fine-tuned. Anyways, we will definitely continue to hear more. The key I want to stress there, it is a tool. And like any tool, you need to learn how to use the tool to use it effectively. If you do not use the tool effectively, you're not going to get the benefits of it. It's really true. Really, really true. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Let's get into your report. Other good things. All right. So uh, one that I saw this online, I think we talked about one of the takeaways that was at MBA Tech last time. Uh, but this was I saw it randomly. I th- it was on LinkedIn. I stole it from someone. So if, if I stole it from you or it was a generic post, thanks for the info. Um, it said production revenue is dropping to be expected while fully loaded cost continues to increase. Right? And I, I think we can all agree to that. The underlying cost structure of the high volume periods are not sustainable and will require further focus to align the cost structures. And then it specifically says in bold letters, Lenders and their vendor partners are encouraged to come to the table to work on win-win strategies and solutions to adopt market changes. I mean, we, we talk about that every week. Yep. So for anyone that's new listening to, to, this, to this podcast or has, hasn't been able to tune in every week, um, and we wish you would, but um, clearly we have to continue to strategize around our vendor partners, and do we have the right one? Is risk mitigation in place? Do we know all the feature and functionalities they support? Have we even been reading their release notes, right? Are we partnering with them? Do we have the right folks internally to champion those integrations? Those are all different areas. You can get in touch with David Licken. 
or even me, um, and we can help you out with that. But that's a very big area. You've got to start focusing on and continuing to fine-tune your technology solutions. Moving on from that, David, get this. With all the data that CoreLogic has on property evaluation data, right, their head economist just came out and said that he believes that home prices in most markets have now bottomed out. And he oh. showed an increase in yeah, they showed an increase in a couple different areas. If you want to read more, just Google it, CoreLogic, home price. You can even put CoreLogic, yep. economist, home prices. Uh, it'll come right up. It just came out three days ago or so. Um, is that Fleming? Very interesting is article. That, is that Fleming, the, uh, um, the chief economist? for? I, I believe so, David. I only took yeah. pieces of the headline. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. But they did, I I, I respect they did refer yeah. to their chief uh, economist. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And I'm trying to think. I'll think of it a minute. Um, sorry about that. I know the guy, and he does a great job, especially covering some of the stuff with the data that they have. They have a unique perspective on the market, the view into the market, with the the tools and the databases that they have. Very interesting. Yep. So get get this, David. Two more topics, and we're going to talk about AI and passwords. Um, NCT. We don't talk about them often, and I happen to bump mm-hmm. into this quick little press release they put out or news. Um, they are now automating digital TBA trade assignments for lenders and correspondent investors. Mm-hmm. And they said they've always done this, but they've now officially made it, you know, automated and larger. And ultimately, they say it's now faster, more convenient, and easier for investors to offer and is expected to further expand the $20 billion cumulative savings that their customers have already experienced since 2022. I'll repeat that. 20 million since 2022 their customers have experienced by their automated AOT assignment technology. So check it out. If you work with NCT, you want to find out more if you're not using it. Uh, I thought, yeah, great company. A lot of great people working over there. Uh, Check it out. They are Uh, David Finlocker. Yes. Finlocker. They just, yeah, they just um, did a deal where they now are providing individual loan officers and brokers with a complete engagement solution. Um, enhance lead gen, increase engagement, build valuable realtor relationships, and they brand it down, it looks like, to the individual LO. So if you want to learn more about FinLocker, you want to check that out. And then finally, David, the anticipated AI can probably crack your password uh, and faster than you think. So what they found is that um, for everyday life-affirming applications of AI, there is one adversarial, uh-oh, including one, I'm trying to read their, their comment. It didn't work out, so I apologize. Basically, what they're saying is that it cracked 51% of passwords in under one minute. That's right, folks, 51% of passwords in one minute. And this is by knowing very little about you. And if it knew more, like your pets and where you live, and if you have kids, it can do it even faster. By month's end, it worked out 81% of a test list that was put in front of them. So we're talking about 15, 15 million wow. passwords, 51% in under a minute, the rest by month's end. It's a platform called Passgan. It's P-A-S-S-G-A-N. It's not widespread, yet it is now after this article. This was on 9to5Mac. And they said that – they say it's terrifying, but here, here's – at the end of the day, David, here's a chart, some information that is absolutely critical that everybody should be following – So it talks about the time it can take using AI to crack your password. You ready? If you simply have a password that is seven characters, okay? Yeah. 
it will take with upper and lowercase letters 22 seconds. If you use numbers, uppercase, lowercase letters, and symbols, okay, seven characters long, it will figure it out in six minutes. If you, here, here's where if you have a password of nine characters using a full mixture of everything, so numbers, uppercase, lowercase, letters, and symbols, it'll figure it out in two weeks. But here's the thing. If you have nine and you just have uppercase, lowers, letters, and one number, it can figure it out in 11 hours. And then as you get down, here's where things get really complex. If you have, everyone thinks, oh, you just throw a bunch of numbers in, right? If you have 14 numbers, some random group of numbers, it will figure it out in 36 minutes. If you have yep. the same 14 numbers, but you throw in some lowercase letters, you ready? It'll take 49 years. So there's an interesting mixture. Uh, this is a, a chart that lays this out. I can uh, pass it over and we can share it with anyone who would like to see it. Yeah. But uh, if you think you can't be fooled, you can be fooled. So please change yeah. your password. Make it a long digit and make sure it has numbers and letters and things like that. Here's the middle. right? If I had to think of something, David, maybe the, the street address plus my dog's middle name who doesn't have one and maybe the last four digits of my phone number when I was a kid. Um, you're looking at about four weeks. So that's 10 characters, upper and lowercase letters. It's four weeks. And if you throw in one number, it'll be six months. But 10 characters is kind of the middle ground. You need at least 10. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I was, you know, on this topic of breaking, cracking passcodes, uh, passwords and breaking into systems and our whole security, which we as a, the reason I bring that up, or that I think you're focusing on it, is we as an industry have a huge responsibility with the amount of data we have on a consumer in our LOSs. That's it, right. It is just, there is not a richer yeah, and, database out there. And what I was listening to, oh, go ahead and finish your thought. You had a thought it sounded like. No, you said. first, you first. But what I was looking at over the weekend, you know, sometimes you just get tired. I've been doing some yard work, came in and took a break. And I wanted to look at the, um, some YouTube videos. So I looked up there and they said, a quantum computer, the difference between a quantum computer and a traditional computer. And I looked at that and I went and watched this video. They were saying what's the scariest thing, because again, that works in a wave, not a binary system. And as a result of it, it is the thing that's scariest about it is they believe that it's going to be able to crack every single code that exists, regardless of what you were talking about and do so in record time within a very short time period of time and so this team went into the um the quantum computer at ibm and started looking at it and it, it's a strangest looking thing and it sits inside this liquid cooled um tube uh for a back lack of a like pipe that is that is liquid cooled at ridiculous the coldest temperatures in the universe cold even colder than that and it runs in a way that can crack things so yet a quantum computer does not do things that a traditional computer do and vice versa. And so it's really fascinating when you start looking at what we have at our, available to us as tools. But how, what, why, why am I bringing that up? Because every mortgage lender who has a database, whether you're a bank, credit union, or an independent mortgage banker, you have a risk that you must be quantifying and looking at and at least have a plausible way of working with um, the risks that are coming. It, it's really significant much more than I ever dreamt of. 
And David, you know, the, you, you brought the, the topic up before you were, you were you were on target with we have the most data out of all of consumer, mostly all of consumer transactions. Um, what's interesting is even online banking data. They have your account and balances, but they don't have all of your data. It's so well-rounded no. in mortgage. And if you think about your originators logging into a point-of-sale platform online, or you think about API access, if you're putting data in Salesforce or you're using a third-party API tool, you're putting sensitive data out there, and you may use a simple password like, you know, like, like white chairs, one, one, star, star, right? Those are all things that will be hacked in minutes. Yeah especially yeah. if somebody, if you become a target to somebody. Wow. Hey, we got to be paying attention to this. It's a fast, rapidly uh, growing threat in the market. And a lot of people's balance sheet is going to get, take some hits as a result of this on the, on the uh, penalties that are going to be paid. And I, I try to figure out how to get ahead of it. When you look at the, what a quantum computer can do and how it diff- is different, it's a fascinating YouTube video. You can search it and go into it. But anyway, we could go on and on about it. And uh, but good report. Thank you so much, Alan. We don't want to create fear. We just create awareness. And we, <laughs> we do not. <laughs> no fear. Current. No, we're not fear mongers. We're just looking, creating awareness and staying on top of it. So good job. Appreciate it, Alan. Thanks for being here and bringing us updates. Mr. Kittle, do you have anything you want to add to it? Well, that was really good information. Uh, they'll never crack my password because I stole yours, Lickin, and I'm using it, and nobody would think I'd be using your password. There you go. I'm, laugh I'm safe for at least another 100 years, Dave. Yeah, let's say for, yeah, because I got some really wild, crazy password codes, that's for sure. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alan, for a great no, that report. Was, that was great, great information, David. I really yeah. I appreciate it. I'm going to yeah. get that list from him. So. Yeah, that is. It's always, that's what we're here for, our folks. We're trying to provide you thought-provoking information that you can use everywhere out there. Managing the risk, managing the business, growing your business. We're pretty pleased to be a part of your lives and gathering of information. So, Alan, thank you. Mr. Kittle, thank you. Uh, Mark is, I think, back in. I saw him drop, and then he saw him come in. Mark, do you have any thoughts you want to add as we wrap up the podcast? Yeah, sure do, David. Thank you. I, sorry, I got cut off, and I came back in. Um, one thing I'd like to share with what Alan talked about, uh, I think that a lot of our, our – I don't want people – individuals to be, and, and Alan, if I'm wrong on this, you tell me this, but if you're an individual and you're worried about your password, uh, I think what's going to happen is I, I have a lot of those passwords that have those third-party uh, self-identifiers where they have to text you a special code after you put your password in to be able right. to get into your account. And I think that's going to, for a period of time, is going to help some of that. The thing that scares the heck out of me, though, is the fact that uh, somebody can crack into these big companies because their firewalls aren't good enough right. and get all our information. That scares me more than anything. That really does. I, I And I don't I don't know of a solution for that because they seem to just get smarter and smarter and smarter about how they do that. But, uh, David, would you like me to share a little bit about the uh, oh, approvals yes. out in our yep. That's okay. exactly what I want to do, yeah. Part of what we do is uh, work with companies on approvals, everything from FHA and VA approvals right on up to Freddie and Fannie and Ginnie Mae and do some work on specialized licensing in, in states that are a little bit more difficult, uh, name a few like Georgia or or, or New York or uh, the, the Massachusetts, Connecticut area. 
but we do things like that. But what we do is get a flavor about the different things that, that people ask for on, uh, on on approvals. And what's interesting to me is, sophisticated as our industry is, uh, you know how we went to the national testing for uh, loan officers. I wish we'd go to a national certification basis for all the approvals that are out there uh, because, to me, it's 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 really a shame that Jenny, Fannie, and Freddie's approval matrix doesn't include the same things. They ask for things in yeah. different ways. They ask for things mm -hmm. that go off on tangents, but there ought to be core financials, core minimum standards in different areas, core things like investor scorecards and other things that you put out, core about the states you're licensed in and all those things and put that together. But what we got is three in the in the agency, which is Jenny May and the GSEs, Freddie and Fannie, we have a very different approval process. And you really take one each one separately and do it and, and sometimes some information transfers over and that's good, but a lot of times you start from scratch on on many of the things because they've got a little bit different flavor to them. So I wish that our trade organizations could really reach out to Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny and approach them about a standardized approval process for approvals, meaning that this is what we need. Now, the other thing that's become apparent to me in the last six months to a year, and it was, it was breeding a little bit before that, is the subjectivity of the approval rather than the objectivity of the approval. Um, we recently had changes, and I'm, I'm not trying to put Jenny May on the spot, but I am. <laughs> yeah. We recently had some changes in the Jenny May guide uh, back to the first part of the year about things that you had to have to get approved by Jenny May. You had to, number one, uh, have experience base, and you could fill out this servicing elaboration form in servicing, and it had to span like a two, the people on board had to have two years' worth of experience. You had to then have for the last 12 months a $250 million size portfolio or more average during that 12 months. And you had to have overall uh, two years of servicing experience of just generally servicing loans in your portfolio. And uh, they pretty much wiped out the requirement to have security experience because it used to be the uh, – what everybody do is go get approval from Fannie Mae and deliver some securities with them for a while. And I guess Fannie Mae got tired of being Jenny Mae's uh, guinea pig, so they quit doing that. And uh, they don't do a lot of those securities. So there's nobody out there, if they don't have uh, Jenny Mae security and trying to get approval, they don't have security experience with somebody else unless they've done private label securities uh, to do that. So I really think that if you put something in your guide, that should be what you want. And if you disapprove somebody or do not approve somebody based on your interpretation of how they met the requirements of your guide when it's clearly submitted that they have met your requirements, and then you're saying, well, wait a minute, we said $3.5 million in net worth. Well, now, guess what? We'd like to see $10 million net worth. Well, say that in your guides. If you want somebody to have a half a billion dollars of originations uh, average the last year or a billion so they show they got enough volume to sell you the kind of loans you want to get to maintain a business relationship. Say that. Do not have a $250 million average for the first year and then not approve somebody because they're not doing $500 million a month. So all I'm saying is that the agencies and GSEs, uh, agency and the GSEs need to adapt their approvals where it becomes back objective again and not so subjective. Now, I realize if somebody's got a bad write-up with the IG, HUD IG or something, 
on a FHA loan, they might want to look at that and make a subjective decision. But the things that go in your guide that you saw, these are our requirements for approval, need to be your requirements for approval and not something that goes to a committee of four or five people that sit down and pick the application apart. People need to know up front that they have an opportunity to submit an application that has a chance to be approved because they followed the guide. And secondary to that, I think it's a very, a very important thing we need to we need to mention here, FHA has a policy. If you apply and and you've got a bunch of got a number of elements here, and you're not going to be approved. They give you an opportunity to withdraw your approval. Yeah. And if if Jenny May and Fannie and Freddie are going to go up to the wire on something and they find something to last in, it's not going to approve you on that they didn't tell you about up front and it wasn't in their guide. Then they need to allow you to to withdraw your approval and do it later, so you don't have that perceived to be black mark on you as being turned down by the agency or the GSEs. Mm -hmm. So that's just my thoughts on working for licensing for a it's number uh, licensing and approvals for a number of years. And I just wanted to share that at the base out there, not being critical of anybody in particular, but I think we need some kind of standard to be developed in our industry. So we as lenders know what to expect when we're applying for approval from one of those entities. Oh boy. Great, great ideas there great ideas we should take that up with the mba and ask them to go in and support that as well but i'm going to forward that segment on to several people and uh but i i know you've got follow-up calls with them so hopefully that will be heard great suggestion mark appreciate it that wraps up the program for this week everybody appreciate you being here with us and want to say a special thank you to those that are new to the podcast got a number of new listeners it's great to have you if you want to text me during the podcast you're welcome to do so. Many do, and that's 512-632-2900. I want to say also a special thank you to our sponsors, Candor Technologies, Finastra, Total Experts, Simple Nexus, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, and the Mortgage Collaborative, along with the Knowledge Coop, Mobility, MMI, and Modex, as well as Mortgage Advisory Tools. Thank you so much, folks, for being here. Tell others about the podcast. That's how we've grown to the size that we have in our listening audience. And we're so grateful for you being here. Have a great week. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.